the opinions expressed on the Custody Queen Show are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for personal, professional legal advice. The persons discussed are fictional and not based on actual clients. Hi, I'm Kristen Holstrom. And I'm Sam McBride, and we are the Custody Queens. We have a new show that we couldn't be more excited about. If you're going through a custody battle, fighting for your parental rights, or going through a horrible divorce, nothing is off limits on our new show. Thought it was love, had kids in between, you can count on us, we're the custody queens, yeah, you can count on us, we're the custody queens. Saturday just can't come soon enough. I'm Sam McBride, I'm here with my favorite blonde, Kristen Holstrom, and we're so excited for our show today. And today we have a very special guest. My friend and attorney, Jeremy Rourke, he is one of our custody queen attorneys as well as a certified family law specialist here at Holstrom Block and Park. Custody Queens is a subdivision of Holstrom Block and Park. So welcome, Jeremy. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to have Jeremy. We've been bugging him to get on the show for quite some time. And what I love about Jeremy is, yes, he's a great attorney. He's an incredible specialist and he is such a valuable part of our custody queens team but more than that he is a great human and he will make you laugh at any given time of the day that's fair so before we interrogate jeremy um or interview him as we may say i think let's do a week in review okay so jeremy this is where we talk about our high of the week and our low of the week and it can be serious it can be funny it can be meaningless but it was a high or low so why don't we start with you what was what was your high of the week jeremy <laughs> well I'm, I'm a dad i have a six-year-old at home and my son has spent the last probably two weeks watching kung fu panda in all its variations <laughs> uh, every show every movie on repeat uh, and my son was having a rough day and i came upstairs and he's sitting there in full yoga pose and he yelled, Dad, you're ruining my chi and messing my inner peace. <laughs> and asked me to straight leave and, and just was holding the pose. And so I, I was pretty proud of that. That's that, amazing. That is amazing. That reminds me of, of my three-year-old who likes to go in the closet, shut his door, and tell me he needs his alone time. <laughs> All right, Sam, what was your high of the week? My high of the week? I, I think I'm going to have to do another combo. My high and my low were kind of intertwined or I guess my high of the week would be I planted my Meyer lemon tree um, <laughs> she did she came to work I did and was so proud to tell me that she planted a Meyer lemon tree it's getting a lot of sun in my backyard if anyone is concerned um, no but my high and my low of the week is actually also kind of silly so Kristen always brings up that we forget to eat at work because we're just have our mind elsewhere and so Kristen always will kind of check in on me and see, hey, Sam hasn't, I haven't seen Sam surface in a while. So she got me this like sushi bowl. It was like an ahi pokey bowl. There you go, pokey bowl. And so I was so excited and I went to leave and I was going to get my car serviced. And I, I haven't even told you this yet. <laughs> I set it in the seat next to me. And then I looked down and I had set it upside down and it completely just went everywhere all over my car. Oh my gosh, that's wasabi, ponzu sauce. fish, it's fish. <laughs> Wait, but did you still eat it though? No, but uh, no, I thought about it. Five second I did think about it, but then, so remember, I'm on my way to get my car serviced. So, <laughs> so then I, I drive up and, oh, this poor man, he like, 
goes to get my car and I could see he's just like, what is this girl smells like the most? I'm like, I'm sorry, I know my car smells like an aquarium right now. We're just gonna keep going. So yeah, that happened. <laughs> I would say that was a high end a low for the, uh, the service guy. That, that, yeah. that is a good one. <laughs> uh, what about you, Kristen? Uh, my high of the week was easy. I We got to go away for just a few days for the weekend and take the kids. And uh, I had a little bit of help there with my kids. And so I was able to um, go down about a you know, 30, 40 foot water slide with my daughter. Uh, of course, socially distance and COVID friendly, but I got to go in the lazy river. I got to go in the wave pool. And usually I am always at the table with the baby, you know, sunblocking everybody, doing everything that a mom does all day. And I actually had a few hours to actually just live. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I really <laughs> need to think about getting a nanny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of got the taste of the good life there. <laughs> but yeah, it was a good week. So Jeremy, let's uh, have you tell us about your low. So one of my best friends lives about two streets down. So I got one of these electric motorized scooters and I, it goes 18 miles per hour. I don't have to like walk, you know, cause it's a really far. I already mile. like this story. And so I had spent some time with him and I came home. And so I, on my scooter, I go up my driveway and I, I hit the gas just one more time. Well, it sticks. So I push a little harder and it takes off on me. <laughs> and the problem was, is I was right by my front door. And so I had to jump off and then boom, I roll my ankle and I wanted to scream. But then I realized that the ring camera is watching this whole thing happen. So then I have to pretend like I'm not hurt. And then I go in there and my wife goes, what just happened? Cause she heard some of the commotion and, and sure enough, she was watching me limp off. And Tell I, me she was laughing. Oh, every time. Every time I hurt myself. I'm guessing there was an alcoholic beverage involved before the scooter ride. I don't recall. <laughs> Great answer. Oh, that's amazing. So is the scooter okay? Scooter's fine. I'm fine. Thanks for asking. Uh, yeah, no, everything seemed to be okay. Uh, it took a couple days and a lot longer for my pride to recover. That's a, that's a good one. All right, so oh, you combined yours, uh, your, your aquarium story. Yeah. Do you have any other low that you want to share? You know, I, I think we're going to save that one for next week. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good aquarium story. Yeah. Okay, so I had a low that, that you know, I actually kind of feel a little um, embarrassed sharing this low. But, you know, do you know when you order DoorDash or, you know, any of those Uber Eats and it's you're starving or it's you know you really really need exactly what you order there's a craving something oh, yes. so you know i'm a snacker and but a couple days a week i love getting a boba and i had saved pretty much all of my carbs for the day for this boba um, which means that i was cranky and i was grumpy and i had a headache um, but i was really really getting ready to enjoy that boba which took 45 minutes to get to me and then the Uber driver um, that had, Uber Eats driver that had delivered it, um, it, the bag he brought me smelled so bad of cigarettes because I had, you know, like six boba drinks had come that I could barely breathe, but you know, I'm still gonna drink. You were pushing through that. I was pushing through because I'm looking at that boba and then I realized there's no straws, okay? And if you ever have boba, you know that it's like the thick straw. You know, those jellies at the bottom, and you can't just pop in a regular straw because, you know, everybody knows that I'm a hoarder, and so in, in our kitchen <laughs> at the office, I probably have a couple different types of straws. So 
I'm really upset and it's now about five o'clock. I take the boba home thinking I have an extra straw at, in my drawer at home and my husband had thrown out that straw. So needless to say, I took out a spoon and was eating the boba with the spoon, but it really spoiled my mood and I think I picked an unnecessary argument. So and that was my love. You, you actually forgot my opinion. The best part of the story was um, in your office when this happened, you were you told your assistant, will you order me <laughs> boba straws? This will never happen to me again. And I'm like, no, literally you will never get a boba without a straw again. You do not need to buy a bag of boba straws and have them on hand. Preparation, belt and suspenders. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. So maybe your marriage didn't go as planned, or maybe you didn't pick the best partner to have a child with. Or could it just be baby mama drama? Well, no matter what the situation is, we can help. We are the Custody Queens, and you can call us at 1-800-419-7772. That's 1-800-419-7772. All right, today's episode is called It Takes a Village. And before we get into that, I, I would like to have Jeremy participate in our Divorce Wars segment. Uh, this is where we listen to a fictional story. It's normally gruesome, a little weird, and we analyze it and try to kind of relate to everyone out there and, and let them know how this relates to family law. So let's go ahead and, and do that first. All right, time for the story. This is Divorce Wars. My ex is mega into food and wine, as in we would literally travel the world on food and wine tours, are part of clubs, etc. We had a nasty divorce. My husband got all the wines in our extensive wine cellar. However, before he was able to collect them, I soaked every bottle and removed every label. So technically the wine was not damaged, but he had no way to know what he was drinking for aging and pairing purposes, which is a huge deal to wine drinkers. So I think I'm the one that got the last laugh. Well, that was an interesting story. I was actually waiting for far more um, pieces to that story like usual, what, uh, I love wine. And so I would be very upset if someone tampered with my wine. But Jeremy, what do you think about that story? I mean, ultimately, if the wine wasn't damaged, then I probably wouldn't care after the first bottle. But I, I think it's, it's pretty savage if you're a connoisseur and you're used to pairing it, but as long as the booze was cool, I probably wouldn't mind. I think there might be a potential issue depending on how much wine there was and the value and the extent of, I guess, the extent of the value yeah, of the Yeah, I mean, wine. How, how do we actually know that taking a label off a bottle of wine doesn't depreciate its value? I don't know that that's true. I think it probably absolutely does. Yeah, and if you're talking about, like, Opus One, which goes from anywhere from four to $1,000 a bottle, and you had 20 of those and you took off the labels and mixed it in with some two-buck chuck, and you didn't know what it was until you opened the bottle. Two buck, Chuck. I think I think there might be a potential <laughs> issue. <laughs> you know, at a minimum, clearly doing things in bad faith and you're setting yourself up for failure while you're going through a divorce. I don't think a judge is going to look too kindly upon destroying anyone's property, even ripping off labels. It's childish, it's inappropriate, and it's just stupid. Especially considering the court ordered that that those wine bottles were husbands. Yeah, it's just immature behavior, and uh, I, I think that it would set you up for failure by acting like that from the onset. 
yeah, I think if you're if you're looking at it from that kind of perspective with regards to like dividing it or or there's gonna affect the resale value. And so probably having someone say what it would be with the label, what it would be without. Um, and I guarantee, I guarantee if they were that high end of a bottle, you wouldn't be able to sell it without the label because you can't verify that it's from that winery. So And then the court could potentially have the ability to basically determine what the value of the wine collection could have been prior to the damage. And, and it probably did already when it was awarding it yeah. initially. Yeah. So in summary, don't be mean. <laughs> I was going to use a different word, but that's why I looked at you to, to take it from there, Sam. Uh, but yeah, just, you know, don't mess with other people's stuff. It, it doesn't, there is no benefit to doing things like that in a divorce. There's just none. So yeah, I mean, it's one of those, how does this help me? How does this hurt me situations? It's not going to be helpful for you. Move on. Yeah, and on that note, let's move on. Let's move on. Okay, so let's get into today's show in general. We have dragged Jeremy here, and we're actually going to drag him here again next week because this is such a special topic and a vast topic, and we believe that it deserves more than our very short half an hour. I agree, Sam, and this is going to be the two-part series that I think everybody's going to love. Whether you are a parent, whether you are a listener, whether you are someone going through a family law case, there are going to be a lot of aspects of our discussion today that will relate to a lot of people. And our topic today is it takes a village. And I say this statement a lot because it truly does. To raise children, it takes a village. Jeremy, why don't you uh, share with our listeners a little bit about you personally, a little bit about you professionally? Um, I married my high school sweetheart. Uh, we've been together a long time since I was a sophomore in high school. Um, and we have a beautiful uh, six-year-old boy. Uh, he is hysterical and thankfully he looks like his mom. Uh, but come, all parents I think have challenges, but Jace uh, is my son, he is autistic. And or on the spectrum as I guess more people would refer to it. And so that comes with its challenges. That comes with its, uh, uh, all the rules that I had growing up as a parent, all the things I would be you know, I'd be a disciplinarian, I'd, I'd be real strict. I had to change my parenting style for him, which is not something I, I think is natural for me to be so dynamic. And so learning how to be a parent to him is exciting, but he's awesome. Was there any period of denial for you or your wife when you were working or when you got the diagnosis and you were trying to process it? Was there any period where, where you had to kind of have a talk with yourself? I think my wife, and thankfully, saw what was going on and, and kind of ran with it. I think she recognized, and maybe that's a maternal instinct, I, I don't know, I don't have maternal instincts, uh, but she recognized the duty for her as a, as a was my firstborn son, uh, you know, I was really excited for being a dad and I wasn't prepared for, you know, the, the, the loss of expectation and that was something I struggled with, but it, it's something that you had to adapt to because my son needed. I didn't love him any less. Um, and, and now I kind of look back and realize I probably overreacted. I probably was a little bit more about me than it needed to be. Uh, and my son is hysterical and funny as you heard the Kung Fu Panda story and, and quirky and cool and I love it. Yeah, Jace is an absolute sweetheart. I've had the pleasure and opportunity to have him at my house a few times and he truly is as kind and funny as Jeremy describes him. Yeah, and Jeremy and I were kind of talking a little bit before the show today, and 
why we really wanted to do a segment, not just on It Takes a Village, but also specifically on special needs, because we see this brought up a lot in family law, and this makes Jeremy an incredible resource for us um, in general, because he gets it. He understands um, how a, a custody case can be different, not just if you had an otherwise healthy kid or, or a child that wasn't previously diagnosed, but having that and having that background I think is just so valuable. Yeah, I can tell you I was doing a consult not too long ago and I asked Jeremy to join him because that is a perk of being on the Custody Queens team and being part of the Holstrom Block and Park Firm is that we have these attorneys that have these unique specialties that are kind of outside of my expertise and Sam's expertise. But this particular case involved a child that was on the spectrum with a younger parent. And it was a case that I wanted Jeremy to come in and provide personal components and personal information that I couldn't speak from. And I thought that Jeremy did an incredible job. But Jeremy, what I loved from that particular conversation is the way you were able to walk that person through the services, through the diagnosis. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about how that works? Sure, and and I will say that if you've met one kid on with special needs, you've met one kid. There's there's no uniformity to the uniqueness of a child with special needs. And so I, I speak from my perspective and my unique perspective um, as from my son. Uh, but really, the, the you, you start with a diagnosis, but there's a process of leading up where you see quirks, you see behaviors, you see things that may make you believe that your child may need extra attention. And there's occupational therapy, which is like motor skills. There's speech therapy, which is how they articulate. And then you've got behavior therapy. And that's where you work with both the parents and the child, and you've kind of developed their skills and put them in situations, both the parent and the child, to adapt to real life scenarios. How is that important in family law? Sure. Um, in court, the judges don't know this. Most of the judges don't have personal one-on-one -on -one experience with special needs. And so when you're talking about a parent who is trying to convince the court that they need more time or they need less time with the other parent, they go through the, the, the gambit of services. My son gets 25 hours a week of just behavior therapy. That's five hours a day where someone is in my home working with my son, putting him in positions to, to basically train his behavior so that when he gets into the real world, he, he can be as quote unquote normal as possible. And I think if you transition him from a different location, he can't process that. And a judge would normally go, well, dad's available or mom's available, so let's just give him that time. But with a special needs child, that may be so much more disruptive. And when we're talking about the best interest of the child, that needs to be conveyed to the court. Absolutely. And I think best interest in general is something that just, it is so important for us to understand that a lot of times courts are applying this best interest standard. There's different standards, but for the most part, that's what we're working off of. And so when you have a special case, and every case is unique, but when you have a special needs case, it is, I, I think, far more important to make sure that the court has enough information before it to be able to truly make that parenting plan or make a decision. And if you oversimplify it and just say, hey, you know, my child doesn't do good with consistency, you're, you're really doing a disservice to the child. And so I, I think it is so important to make sure that you have an attorney that A, understands the issue, but, but B, is willing to help to educate the court so that the court can actually 
do a best interest analysis because the court can only make orders based on what it's given. That's a great point, Sam, because like Jeremy said, is that every child on the spectrum has unique characteristics that need to be addressed, whether they're sensory issues, whether they're verbal or nonverbal issues. And these cases are coming up more frequently. You know, I can tell you 10 years ago when I started doing this, they didn't come up nearly as frequently. But now they're, you know, 25% of our cases that are, that are coming through. And you generally have one parent that understands the diagnosis, has processed the diagnosis, and wants to move forward with the services that are available to the child and then you often have another parent that is somewhat resistant resistant to the services um, is potentially trying to delay any services because potentially their own issues related to denial but Jeremy do you see that a lot sure and and I think as a dad who kind of went through that you think of the label and you think that's a direct reflection of me and all of a sudden that label is gonna stick with him and the reality is that label may stick with him for a period of time but the younger you can get a child's services, the better it is for that specific child. And if you can train their brain when it's adaptable and young, some of those things that become blocks and hurdles that they can't overcome, they can figure out a way to, to navigate around it. And so I think it's really important that these parents recognize start the services early and as often as possible. It doesn't matter what it's labeled as. It doesn't matter if it's wrong, if it's misdiagnosed, it, like ABA therapy, it's just behavior. It can't hurt the child. There's nothing, this child at three, four years old isn't gonna right. remember at 14 that he had services for six months right. if we were wrong. And so I, I really wanna make sure parents just put the child first. Jeremy, are there any areas of the law, and, and you're so right about that, um, but are there any areas of the law where there are special code sections or things that the court considers when you have a special need child? Well, beyond the best interest of the child, that's like custody visitation. Um, I think the most common one we deal with besides custody visitation is child support. And you, you have certain extra expenses associated with them and sharing those expenses becomes an issue. Right. Um, and the other one is child support can actually be extended beyond the age of 18 and a high school graduate. Um, and so people tend to forget that you could owe support indefinitely if that child is not capable of becoming self-supporting. Right. And what would you tell, so if, if there was, you know, a prospective client out there listening right now or, or somebody that was just listening to us and had an issue where they, they know or they're going through a separation or they have a, a child with another party and they have a paternity action that they're going to file, what advice would you give to them if they knew that services were necessary, they were doing whatever they could to get services, but the other parent was either hindering, blocking, delaying, or doing something that would frustrate the services process? What would you advise that person? Well, I, I think the courts, you know, 20 years ago, autism wasn't nearly as discussed and open. And my, I, I think the courts are more aware of it. And so if a parent isn't doing their part, then they're almost abusing that child. And I, I wouldn't go as far as saying it's physical abuse to not get the services for the child, but if you take a step back and look at the improvement that could happen, it's absolutely detrimental to that child to not be getting everything that's available to them to help them with whatever special needs they have. 
So they should contact you and discuss their options. They should call 1-800-419-7772. And they should ask to speak with you, Jeremy, because I, I think you can help so many people listening right now on talking about their unique, their individual case, their individual child or children, and customizing a strategy with Sam and I on we're all of us working together, because I truly think that, that the three of us working together is, is such a unique and valuable team. Dream team. It is, you know, um, but I think they should reach out to you, Jeremy. If you have a case involving a child on the spectrum, either a potential case where you're looking towards the future, or if you are an existing one, please reach out. Call 1-800-419-7772. We will set you up with an appointment to speak with Jeremy. We are offering virtual, remote, Zoom, uh, or phone consultations. And if you have an issue like this, please call don't wait because time is often of the essence in these scenarios. What advice do you give our listeners? Well, I, I would make sure it's not just for kids on the spectrum. Special needs are food issues, how a child eats, dietary issues. Right. Uh, there can be special needs for developmental, physical developmental that's not just autism. So I, I think the special needs world is really broad. And I think it, each specific case probably should be tailored to the courts and presented in a certain way. That's such a good point. And I, I think in general, kind of the, the mantra of Custody Queens is knowledge is power, right? So understanding that you don't know until you know the information and you need to go grab it is really important in your case, whether your child has special needs or doesn't. The knowledge um, to help care for your child needs to be presented to the court. And it's a two-way street. You need to give that information to the court. And you also, as a parent, need to know what information that the court needs. And so that's where attorneys come in and can kind of help craft your case very specifically. People often talk about custody cases and, and they just want to talk broadly, joint legal or joint physical. I want my child half of the time. I, I think we're oversimplifying greatly um, our children in general, and we need to take a step back and look at each case and each need, special needs and, and just each child in general, even if your child doesn't have special needs, so that you can present the best case you can to the court. Well said, Sam. And an important part of, of a process when hiring an attorney and moving forward to protect your child or to get appropriate orders is the fact gathering. Mm -hmm. And that should be done with competent attorneys like Jeremy, like Sam, like myself, where you can gather the information and spoon feed it to the judge. Because remember, these judges are real life people. They're men and women of all backgrounds, you know, that, that may not know all of the information specifically related to your child and your child's disability. So I do encourage you to educate yourself, make the call and, uh, and we loved having Jeremy so much. We're going to do a part two, but let's lighten it up for a second. Sure. Let's loosen up. Do you want to do a true or false segment? Yeah, or I, I let's do a true and false, and let's just end it with, uh, I know you buy some weird stuff on Amazon. Oh, here Come she on. goes again. Come on, Sam. <laughs> what is the weirdest thing you've bought? You know, Amazon, Target, any of I don't know. Skip me, and then I'll think about it. All right, Jeremy, what is the weirdest thing you've bought? So my son is obsessed with bath bombs. He is. He loves the the way the colors and everything. Uh, Instagram hit me, and there was this ba there was a bath bomb that when you put it in the water actually turns into like a, a five foot rainbow. Oh, and now you're gonna send me on the hunt, Jeremy. Oh, I, bought, no. I bought five. She'll <laughs> have one. I bought five. Yeah, they, they, they suckered me in by adding it on. Like, oh, this they one's half do. price. 
Yeah, so I bought, I just recently bought one of those and I asked my son and he goes, cool, but is there a toy inside too? Uh, <laughs> oh, I do do that. all right. Well, we are running out of time, Wait, guys. we gotta do true or false. We don't have time. We gotta save oh, a couple Oh, come on, we could do one true or false. Okay, do it really quick for Jeremy. All right, Jeremy, it's illegal for unmarried men and women to share a hotel room in Dubai. True or false? I'm gonna go with true. It's true. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't know, I don't know a lot of true false, but I do know that one. Yeah, I have a buddy who went to Dubai and, and he said some of the rules that they were told before they went would are, are kind of- You can't of... say the F word, I know that. Oh, well, you should <laughs> not go there. All right, guys, we really have to wrap it up, but we had so much fun with Jeremy today. We cannot wait for part two, so. So make sure you guys tune in next week at 8.30 on Go Country 105. If anyone has any questions, especially questions specific to special needs in general, please feel free to give us a call at 1-800-419-7772. That's 1-800-419-7772. And follow us on social media. Jeremy's contact information will be on cussyqueens.com as well as our social media feeds. And as always, please DM us and send us your messages and we will get back to you. Stay tuned for next week. And remember, let love rule. Thought it was love, had kids in between. You can count on us with custody queens. Yeah, you can count on us with custody queens. The opinions expressed on the Custody Queen Show are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for personal, professional, legal advice. The persons discussed are fictional and not based on actual clients.